It's Toronto's Podcast on the Canada's Podcast Network. Hi, this is Leslie Dunwell with Canada's Podcast, the nation's number one entrepreneurial network. Carmen Darley is an artist, mother, motivator, and advocate for mental health and positive thinking. After years of having a sought-after corporate role at American Express, Carmen realized that her life needed to shift in a different direction. She had been painting and exploring art since she was a child, but she had never pursued it. Through life experiences and learning, in 2016, Carmen decided to take the leap and pursue a career as an artist and founded Carly's Paintings. She found solace in her art and found her calling as an entrepreneur. Carmen creates shatterproof, original, and unique resin decor that has become very popular in Toronto and is sold in dozens of stores across the province as well as online on Etsy. Carmen has an entrepreneurial mindset and is constantly on the lookout for new opportunities and where to grow her business next. She's a popular motivator and influencer in Toronto, um, and she has a keen passion for empowering other female entrepreneurs. Um, she was recently a keynote speaker at the Toronto Business Babes Conference in 2019, and where she was telling her story about her struggles and how they've shaped her as a person and the entrepreneur that she's become today. Her mission is to continue to create beautiful pieces that transform into functional and versatile home decor, as well as to empower other dreamers to pursue their lifelong aspirations. So Carmen, we are so, so excited to have you on Canada's podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much. Um, thanks for such an amazing intro, Leslie, and it's such an honor to be here um, to take part in the Canada's podcast. Um, it's definitely a long journey for me, and I think it will continue to go that way. Um, because as you know, entrepreneurs, we all know that it continues to evolve. And once you check off that goals box, there's that next goal that comes into play and you're constantly like thinking and working on the next thing, right? So super excited to be here to share some of my um, setbacks, knowledge, and some of my experiences throughout um, my career in the corporate world, as well as how I brought that, um, I guess, experience and some of the knowledge that I have from that world into my own business, because it is a very, very different, um, it's like, it's a completely different experience is, I guess, all I have to really say, because, um, working in a corporate environment every day, you know, you're doing strategy work, you're doing presentations, and then trying to translate that into your own words to portray and present information about yourself and your own company. You don't want to sound like you're always boasting, but you're almost like always needing to hot sell yourself because you're like, I need to get this out there in the right way, right? So for sure. It's awesome that you can bring that knowledge and translate it to like have a successful business. So yeah, it's not easy. That's for sure. So no amount of school, no amount of, you know, experience um, can ever make it a hundred percent, you know, yes, that's it. But no, building a business is school. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're literally paying to do business and to like educate yourself. So exactly. that's a big takeaway that I always tell people, you know, people are like, Oh, I don't know if I'm going to, you know, if this is a good investment or if I'm like paying for the right thing or like I should be spending my money. And that's the biggest takeaway where I'm like, 
honestly, that is, that is the investment, right? So that is what you're paying to learn. Yeah. So let's dive in. Um, tell me a little about how you became an entrepreneur and your your journey to get to where you are now. Yes. So, um, to start off a little bit about myself, I, as you mentioned in my, um, introduction, I did do art and that's kind of my, my side thing. That's always been my getaway thing, my creative end. So I've always been really creative doing art, learned how to draw and stuff from my grandpa and my dad doing like Chinese calligraphy and stuff like that. Uh, way back when I was in junior school. So like I would enter competitions and stuff and like get really creative. Never really pursued it educational wise because uh, the traditional Chinese family, you always aim for, you know, the professional doctor, lawyers and, and all that good stuff. So kudos to all the doctors out there, the lawyers, <laughs> the lawyers. <laughs> yeah. and the accountants. <laughs> um, but I didn't go that far. All I did was, um, you know, went to, did all my sciences and stuff. Anyways, long story short, my educational background is, um, a psychology, like psychology and bachelor's of science. So very like science related. And then as I kind of got older, I started to experiment with, you know, drugs, alcohol, and the parties and all that stuff. And I think one thing led to another, it could be a very slippery slope. And, um, I became an alcoholic. And so long story short, again, is uh, when I was going through treatment, my psychologist, psychiatrist had mentioned, like, find something that you can um, take solstice in, right? Like, uh, like, be common and really put that addiction energy, like that compulsive energy into something that you really love. And I thought, okay, well, I'm really good at art. So let's give that a shot. So back in 2016, um, it was my third year in treatment. I started treatment in 2013, um, third year. And that was the year where I finally said, no, I'm going to stop like my lifestyle, whatever it was. And like, um, take on this hobby, which is like to do painting and drawing. And then I soon found out that there was a demand because like markets were really popular at that time. It was really up and coming. Um, original art was becoming really um, popular because people were more supportive of living artists as opposed to artists who have passed away, um, things that they can actually afford, but still unique. So there was definitely a market there. And so I capital, I guess you could say capitalized or took advantage of it. Um, and I sold my first painting for $20, 16 by 20, a 16 by 20 inch for $20. So you can imagine like it was a pretty decent size. That was my first abstract painting that I sold on Kijiji. And I was like, okay, so we got the first one out. It paid for the material. So my hobby soon became, um, a very strategic way of a side hustle because at that time I was working at a community center in project management. Um, and then, uh, during that time as well, I was working at, um, cancer care Ontario. So still in the corporate environment, but, <laughs> um, <My> cat. <laughs> oh, that's okay. My dog was totally just, uh, going like scratching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So anyways, I, I tend to like draw out my story, but long story short is um, I found the demand. And then 2016, I was still in the corporate environment. I didn't, I did a full current state analysis at that time. So to all the entrepreneurs out there, you know, we're all starting at a different period and with different assets, with different type of like startup money. So you, it's always good to have like a very brief current state assessment to see like where you're at. Yeah. And ultimately my goal at that time was um, to be able to host free workshops for anybody who wants to improve mental wellness. So anyone who wants to take it as like art therapy, um, anybody who wants to, you know, overcome any type of addictions or a traumatic experience just to have an outlet. Mm -hmm. But at that time, you know, I just started selling a painting for 20 bucks on Kijiji isn't really going to suffice all that, you know, the goal that I had. So um, I quickly thought about, okay, what are the steps to, for me to get to that end goal? And that continues to kind of ground me as to why I'm doing all these things and how I can get there. Have you ever done, have you ever done anything like that yet? Um, so I haven't yet. In terms of the free workshop, uh, what I'm doing now to lead kind of my way into a more um, community and free. The thing is, I don't want to throw in free because like I have to be very careful with my branding and what I'm giving out. So um, as I'm working through that messaging and the content and how I build and what that workshop will look like and the type of value that would give mm -hmm. to the specific audience that I'm trying to tar target, it's a very different set up audience as to someone who would pay $80 for my workshop, right? So I have to just be very careful. And that again, for entrepreneurs out there who are just starting, you just have to be very careful with how you message and how you, you know, portray and put yourself out there in terms of branding. So I haven't been able to really get into, you know, that goal yet but I'm very close because now I'm testing out the workshops I do have workshop experiences where it's a full experience as well as learning the creative aspect um, there are workshops where it's like you know come in here we'll learn something simple let's do this and then because now I'm an official partner uh, with Ontario Shores Ontario Shores is a uh, mental health facility in Whitby so it's um, a big Durham based mental health facility very similar to CAMH but on a, a bit of a smaller scale so they do like inpatient they do all types of treatments they do have like they have in-house um, psychiatrists psychologists everything all types of services and so I'm official partner with them and I'm creating Right now, it's more of a blueprint, but uh, I'm working with their director and their CEO to figure out how we can bring that into that community where it's more surrounding a mental wellness mm -hmm. and how you can cope and have it as an outlet. So I think all, without going through all the experiences within the past three years, I wouldn't be able to build up the credibility and the experience and kind of like really solidify my vision to say, okay, before I get into, you know, giving out free workshop, I need to have that specific target audience that I can actually target and, and not kind of 
jeopardize my brand and what I set out to my consumers and my end users as like, you know, the real, not the real, but like the paying customers and all that stuff. Right. So, um, that's kind of where I'm at in terms of meeting that goal. Um, it is part of the 2020 to 2014 strategic plan. So every three to four years, I have a full strategic plan that I write out. And that again, comes from the corporate world. Exactly. Like, yeah, I can see a lot of the things that you're saying are definitely from the corporate world, right? Yeah. So a lot of it is like personalized because I truly care, but a lot of it, so the, the strategic, um, the strategies that I write and the different pillars, you know, the risk assessments, the marketing, which includes like the communication strategy, my communication plan, um, your branding, my branding plan, my content plan. All of that kind of stems from a bit of a project management background where, you know, you really have your specific goals and your tangible items. My goal is to do workshops or have a creative experience. I don't call the workshops workshops that are our experiences. And then it's like, how do we get there? What are the different milestones? You know, what's up and coming? Have I checked this off? What's the biggest risk, right? The biggest risk for a workshop is if no one shows up. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) which is like my, like number one fear when I wrote all that up and put it up on Eventbrite and every day I'm like checking, checking. And I think as an entrepreneur, we tunnel vision like to the end goal where it's like, okay, I'm checking. No one's buying tickets. Oh my goodness. My end goal is not being met. Like, you know, and then I can, I guess like you have to really step back and see the big picture. It's like first two days I didn't have any per- like ticket sales and I'm like, okay, step back a little bit and stop tunnel vision myself and saying like, like, why, why is nobody buying my tickets? Like no one wants this. Like, I'm not important. (laughs) But you know, you go through these thoughts, like, am I doing something wrong? So for entrepreneurs out there, like my biggest thing is like really step back when you have a setback. And that's a very minor setback, but step back on those setbacks. I know, say that 10 times. Really good way. (laughs) (laughs) Step back and really like kind of see the big picture of why there's a setback and there's a stall. Like every time there's a project stall, you're kind of like, okay, let's review and take a look at the bigger picture as to like where the fundamental issue is or where the gap is. Right. And you always try to bridge that gap. So I realized a lot of people are not looking at my stories. So I needed to make posts. Um, Some people are looking at my posts, but they're not, I'm not, you know, elaborate enough in terms of what they're getting. So I went live, right, to talk a little bit about my um, experience, like the creative experience and what they would get out of it. And then show them like what the studio space looked like. Uh, So for example, the first experience is in a studio space. So right now it's very popular to rent a studio space and take really like studio perfect photos and have them Instagram worthy or keep them in your album or whatever the case is. And so I saw a demand there. And so I was like, okay, let's collaborate with someone who has a studio, but also do resin work. So it's a bit of both for entrepreneurs out there as well. You know, always do your market analysis to see where the demand's at, right. And where, you know, you'll probably get the bigger bang for your buck. 
people who are watching this like, oh, that's what Carmen does? <laughs> exactly. And I know you're going to send this to all of your followers on Instagram. So. Oh, for sure. And I, and you know, as I progress as an entrepreneur, I definitely want, you know, to share this knowledge and some of these um, business, I guess, tactics that are very tangible and where people can see immediate value, something that they can do, right? Like, yes, sure, you have your ultimate big picture goal and your ultimate goal, but a market analysis is literally what you could do, like right now, you know, something you can pick up and say, let's find out through my analytics if there's a demand for this, or let's find out through asking my friends what they would think, right? That's a very simple, tangible, tactical task that you could just like, find out information very easily and very quickly exactly but through that like I found out okay studios whatever and then through the gaps where I'm like okay two days have passed and there's no ticket sale and so what I've done is you know figuring like literally write down a list of things I can potentially do um identify the gaps and then some of the things that I could do so I went live I um, posted some posters in the local workshop. Um, what is it? Curry's like, I've asked them like, can I post like ads and stuff? And they're like, absolutely. Right. As long as you're local. So yeah, I that. And so it's just small things that where you have to really not pin pigeonhole yourself as to like, Oh my God, like these are the things that are not happening. It's more, how can I make it happen? So I never, you know, your why, right? You always have your why to ground you. But a lot of times we stick so close to that why and your ultimate goal. We never step back to say how. Yeah. Right? Because we're so caught up in like- to see things from the outside. Yeah, exactly. And like asking the how question is not, I feel like now it's like all about why. What's my why? What's your why? Like, why are you doing this? already know that that's the ultimate goal right that's your vision and visions don't come alive like after one day it evolves exactly it'll take two years four years whatever four years in 10 years my vision will probably change yeah totally different you've been evolving so quickly and I know because we've talked before but what you're doing now is going to be totally different from what you're doing a year from now so yeah exactly um, I, I do have some more questions. Um, really, like the first question that I have for you, do you think entrepreneurs and being an entrepreneur yourself, do you think we're wired differently? So that's an amazing question because my husband and I were just talking about that. And we are wired in a more, not more or less, but differently, I would say. I would say that entrepreneurial mindset is that mindset where you know, you see, it's always a process, right? You, you meet people, you see things and then you listen and then you're like, how can I either one give back in a way that I can, um, by making the money that I can through this demand and then creating a demand for that. So, and knowing that you can supply it, right? So, um, for example, you know, for yourself, you have a marketing firm, you, you know, you can supply really, really great consult consultation and you know, there's a demand for it. So like immediately you're like, okay, how can I give and make money so I can give more? So I think that's the type of mindset that, you know, I think a lot of us have it. It's a matter of 
how we um, articulate it, right? And how we present it and how we portray it. So I, f- I think for whoever's listening, anyone can be an entrepreneur. Anybody can be successful in what they do. And that always goes back to where is your success level? Like, where do you want to, and that's the future state assessment, right? Some people don't want to mature in a way that they're the biggest and, you know, the largest well-known firm. All they want to do is be able to say, I have a small business. I can take 10 clients. I'm very happy with that. And that will sustain me. And if it grows, it grows, but I'm happy with where I'm at. And that's success on its own, right? That's their end goal, right? Like right. if they've achieved what they've set out. Yeah. But everybody has their different end goal. And I'm not trying to say like some entrepreneurs are better than others. Some are just because of what they have in terms of education, experience, the connections that they have. But I think overall, anyone can be an entrepreneur. You just have to be very sure of where you want to be. And what the supply and demand is, right, at that time, and how you become a thought leader. And like a lot of people are talking about thought leaders now. And it's not like, I'm a thinker, so I'm gonna be a thought leader. It's, <laughs> it's more about, you know, what your goals are, how you can educate others, how do you position yourself, right? So that goes back to how you articulate what you can provide. And what kind of value value you can add, how you demonstrate credibility. When you go out there to consult 10 of those people, are they going to share that experience? Like, are you credible? Are they going to come back and say, you know what, I don't ever want to do business with you anymore because of X, Y, Z. Or are they like, I really wish that you can expand so I can tell like 10 more people, right? So that's kind of like where your mindset have to shift and then you build your story. My story is hobby to business and eventually I want to be able to uh, build it more geared towards business consultation where I can share all this information with, you know, other entrepreneurs who are starting or don't know where to start or, but yeah, and then be a resource. Yeah. Doing things like you've been doing, like being a keynote speaker at Toronto Business Babes or doing this podcast, like you're already taking steps towards that goal because you are empowering other entrepreneurs. Yeah. So I think we are wired differently and everyone can be an entrepreneur. You just have to be very um, conscious of where your end goal is at. Success is kind of like your, your status, you know, not someone else's status. So for the small businesses who are watching and want to grow, really, I think, identify that first and then start working towards it. And if it blows up and it, you become like immediate famous, awesome, celebrate it. But if it takes you five years to get five clients and so be it, right? Like you just have to now go back and look at the bigger picture. You know, I wanted 10 clients, but I only have five. How am I going to get there? That's kind of my two cents on it. Great answer. So I'm going to switch gears a little bit and talk about Toronto because I know you're in, you're in Durham, but mm-hmm. I know you work a lot in Toronto um, and the GTA. So what do you think the benefits are of doing business in Toronto? Uh, there are definitely pros and cons for Toronto. Toronto being one of the biggest cities in you know Canada, um, you definitely have a lot of 
audience, like you have a big group of audience that you can target. So, you know, it goes back to that abundance mindset, right? When you're in business, you always have to, or you should know that in a big city like this, there's enough business for everybody. Um, so that's definitely a pro to being a business in the city where you can literally get business from like different demographics, different types of people, people with different hobbies. So it's great. The other, the, the con that I would say is that when there's a big population and there's, you know, demands, then some things become more saturated. So when it, there's an oversaturation, there's, you know, the supplies out there and the demand might not be there. And then, you know, you get that influx of the same product and then you really have to compete. But in Toronto, I feel like the biggest benefit is that you can really allow for your creativity to take over because people love things that are innovative and different yet relevant. And I always go back to this example of not reinventing the wheel, but making that wheel into something else that could be useful. So not reinventing the, the core product, but like making it a differentiator. What is your differentiator in this big, vast community with so many people watching, with so many people willing to spend money on this core product? But if you can change it and make it into something slightly different and test out the market, I feel like you know, you're kind of ahead of the game already for this big population of spenders and like people who always seek different things. Um, So I think that's definitely something that you can take advantage of as an entrepreneur in Toronto, being such a big city. And then you you expand, right? Like right now, online is definitely a big e-commerce area. I mean, online is the... Well... (laughs) Obviously, <laughs> I say funny things like that. Try to be smart. <laughs> um, but it, it it is like one of the ways that people prefer to purchase. Right? They may not want to leave their house. Uh, Amazon being one of the biggest. E- that's what I meant. Amazon being one of the biggest e-commerce. They've really set the stage for that type of behavior and that lifestyle. So you can absolutely piggyback on that and capitalize and, you know, sell things that are different online. Write a little note. Do you sell, do you sell your resin decor on Amazon? I don't. I am looking into it. It's just more of the scalability of it because I have to be ready to grow if there's growth there and yeah. not have that as a setback, which was one of my setbacks in 2019 where I set myself up to grow drastically like incrementally um, as a production business, as well as uh, like revenue growth. And I think that really damaged my brand in a sense. Um, One of the reasons why is because I wasn't able to sustain the demand. So, you know, when you're doing your analysis and everything, you really have to think, you know, yes, there's a demand, but how will I, you know, scale this? too quickly it'll it'll sink your company yep and that was one of the biggest setbacks where I really have to like rebuild and like connect with the customer so it's funny because the money that I generated from that build I ended up giving it out as compensation really yeah, yeah. because like 
for the customers who were disappointed because like I didn't deliver on time or like I couldn't keep my promise or whatever the case is, or like, um, you know, quality wasn't as amazing as I would like it to be. Um, which is very, very rare because I quality, like I check everything before I send it out. But for me as an artist, I'm like, yeah, you know, like, (laughs) regardless of what it was, you know, I compensated through like, yeah, I'll give you a free set or I'll give you two free sets. Like, let me make this up for you. Let's, I'll give you this order for free, like stuff like that. So I have setbacks that, you know, no one can probably see, but it happens. And Toronto being a big market, I think there's definitely, like you can take advantage of the pros more than the cons. Because we're talking about challenges and some of the setbacks that we've had, I just, what do you think has been the greatest challenge that you've faced in your business to date? Like, is it that? Is it your supply or is, has there been a bigger challenge? So my biggest challenge is I'm still at a, a one-man show, one-woman show. And I think my biggest challenge is not, no, you know what? I take that back. My biggest challenge is not the fact that I'm a sole proprietor, like I'm an entrepreneur and I'm like a team of two with my husband and, you know, other people who are very supportive and stuff. My biggest challenge is being able to delegate the specific tasks and the products. Like I can very easily hire someone, but because I'm so specific with the way I package, the way I do things, I'm almost like not letting go of that. And that's actually been one of my setbacks, even in the corporate world, right? Where I like, it's hard for me to delegate. And I like, learned very hard how to do that, giving like very specific instructions, you know, making sure that they have clear goals, clear tasks and all that stuff. So that's been a little bit of a challenge for me, but I am learning. And the other challenge is, um, to what I mentioned earlier, which was scaling, um, the scalability of my uh, business, and also being able to manage an online platform as well as being present. I, you're on Instagram, and um, I know our our viewers will check you out on Instagram, and we'll be sharing it there. But like, you're super present on Instagram, and I it's such a full time job doing that on top of creating the products that you do and delivering, it's just, you must be exhausted at the end of the day. That's it. And the baby, right? So yeah, I know you're a mother <laughs> and a wife. So. Um, not so much, uh, you know, the wife part is like, <laughs> the husband, you're on your own. <laughs> um, so yeah, like Instagram is a complete different beast on its own. It's a complete different, like it's a full-time job. And so my recommendation is when you start off, um, I would build a budget sheet to, you know, kind of say, if I have 10,000 followers and my presence become overwhelming, overwhelming in within my budget sheet, I do have funds allocated to hire someone part-time or there are steps where I can, um, you know, go and scout out, um, you know, uh, college students who can be an intern where I pay them minimum wage or like pay them a certain amount for a semester to help. So I would definitely, if I were to build my budget sheet differently and from what I know now, knowing that Instagram or certain components of the business would, um, would probably function and run a little bit better, like a well, well, 
oil the machine as opposed to me running all of it, I would build that in my budget sheet, right? In my expenses sheet. Um, and you don't have to do it per se, but at least the, it's there. Like the monetary value is there for you to see and be like, okay, this is way too overwhelming and it's taking up way too much time. It's on the budget sheet. Let's try it for like a quarter, right? And, and see how it goes. I've heard um, some business owners say that just in terms of managing social media, that they feel like they can't let go of doing it themselves because like that's their brand, right? And that's their story. And it's so difficult to let that go. Yeah, it's absolutely true. And it goes back to the delegation, right? So if you write a very robust plan for your social media um, manager, if you want to hire an intern, um, at first, it's a great experience for them if they want to get into content and branding. Secondly, um, it's an image, but also something that is um, adjustable. So if something doesn't go well, you can remove the post. It's not like a product where you're hiring someone and then the end product doesn't look like to your standard and you're stuck with this thing or yeah. a consultation where, you know, a different message is being delivered to your customers and you can't kind of take it back because sometimes when you deliver a message, they kind of hold you onto it. Right. So Instagram is a really great way to test out your, your ability to kind of delegate. I just didn't build it in my budget. And so I'm kind of, I'm struggling now to write up a little proposal to schools and you know, kind of like literally almost like a job description and like your responsibilities, right? Your role and responsibilities and like write out this day, you're supposed to do this, blah, blah, blah. And then they'll take over on it. And then, you know, you build that relationship and they learn who you are and your brand is and they do the right thing. And you have to kind of put your confidence in them. But it's, it's a full plan that you have to be very, very detailed on. And then once you do that, I feel like that would be like something off your hands. Yeah, it's a lot of work in the onset, mm -hmm. but after you've done it, then it'll be better for the business. Yeah. And that goes with all of it, right? Like if you're comfortable with your product being delegated, then you write a very robust plan. But I'm all about that planning phase because that really um, allows for you to kind of start everything from scratch and then identify all like oh, there's a kink there. Like, I would not want her to post this on this day. That does not work, right? So your plan is kind of like your go-to. And I think it's totally doable for new entrepreneurs. And there's a lot of resources on the internet. And then there's also resources like through me, through you, right, where we can give our two cents as well. So that's kind of the challenge aspect, I think. Challenges is endless. It is endless. It's like. And what do you do? Like when you're faced with a challenge like that, this is the next question for you, but how would you advise someone if, if someone was faced with a huge challenge, how do you advise them that they should react? So reaction. So the biggest thing is uh, perception is reality. So your every reaction leads to another action and every action leads to a reaction. And you have to be very, very careful on how you react and this is something that I've learned um, being in the corporate environment, you know, managing a team of people as well as, you know, hosting meetings and things go wrong with, you know, senior VPs and CEOs and stuff where you have to absolutely keep calm. 
like don't let your emotions react for you because our very first instinct is to react in a way it's it's a panic, right? Or upset and you say things. It's like protect yourself at all costs, right? right? We get defensive is what I'm trying to say. And when we get defensive, things can come out of your mouth or the way you act in a way that does, it is not you. Like it's just based on the circumstance and the situation. So, you know, for example, Instagram, there will be trolls, there will be people who say things on your post. And the first thing you think of is like, how am I going to react and respond back so that other people who are looking at it won't perceive me in a certain way? And that's one thing where you learn very quickly, you know, you don't react. You know, if it's something that is really hurtful or creates like ruins your brand or whatever, um, you literally say like, I'm sorry you felt this way, but let's chat offline, right? Because you don't want to engage in that type of behavior in front of everybody. DM me. Yeah. Or like we can definitely chat, you know, uh, you can email me. Here's our customer service. Uh, You can talk to me personally if you're really upset. It's just so that people can see also how you manage negativity. Like you're not negative with them. Because as much as people do read their message, they, people read your message and how you react, and they're like, oh my God. I'm not doing business with yeah. <laughs> Or, oh my God, like, I wonder what happened, but, you know, I guess it's between them. That's the biggest kind of suggestion or comment that it would make on that. And staying calm is definitely very important. Trying to understand, like, the other person's perspective, empathize with them. And, and see, you know, maybe, maybe they're having a really horrible day and your order comes in or your meeting comes through and it like totally threw them off or maybe you touched them in the wrong way, but, you know, really try to understand like where they're coming from. I think when you have that level of understanding and empathizing, people starts to calm down, right? And they're, they'll actually tell you like, to be honest, I had a really crappy week and this meeting was not what I expected or this product was not what I expected and it just threw me off, but I hope our next one would be much better. It's also like being transparent as to and being authentic. I think if you show that you truly care um, during a challenge and a setback, you, you will get like the same kind of reaction back. It's more of like a personal touch Um, in terms of how I deal with challenges, but I felt like that's always worked out. And being transparent, you know, like I got into that accident yesterday. So today I probably can't deliver anything because I really don't feel comfortable driving on the highway. And to our viewers, I I don't think that was in when we started, that was before we started the actual podcast, but yeah. coming out into an accident yesterday and a big sheet of ice hit, smashed your windshield on the highway. <laughs> yeah. Right on the 401. Like I saw it coming slow motion. I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and when things like that happen and you can't deliver, then you just, you know what, take a day off and entrepreneurs don't take enough days off. Yeah, right? exactly. So i being completely transparent, my husband's like, first thing you did was go on Instagram. I was like, no, like I actually went on Instagram to share this experience so that people are more aware. That's something that my husband and I talk about as well, like just being transparent and setting expectations, right? So by doing that, by being transparent about the accident, then you're setting your customer's expectation. Yeah, for sure. 
So I have another question for you, and then I've got some rapid fire questions. But if you could go back in time, what advice would you give your 20 year old self? My 20, oh man, I can write a like, essay on that. right? <laughs> um, 20 year old self. So this is more of the mental aspect, right? And I think a lot of entrepreneurs don't see that as a, as a, as a wealth because your mental health is wealth. Like if you're not well and you're not able and you're not thinking clearly, um, your business will be cloudy as well. That's one thing that I really want to share with entrepreneurs is like, make sure you're, you know that mental health is part of your wealth, part of your revenue. It's not a separate thing, right? So really, really take care of that and invest in that. But to my 20 year old self is like, to be more aware of my surroundings and what I was driving myself into. And I used to be very negative and I, it's not negative, but like a realist, you know, you know, this is my goal, but why would I put like, how can I even get there? Like, there's no way, like, who am I to say that I would get there? Right. And that set me back a lot because I, that fear or that fear of taking risks right now I take risks, but they're calculated. So it goes back to, you know, to my 20 year old self, if I see something that I, a goal that I want to get meet, I really want to know how, right. Which is what I do now. It's like, I want to take this risk, but how am I going to take it in the best way possible with the least amount of risk, like mitigate least amount of risk, right? It's like, how do I do that? So let's build a calculated risk, calculate what my risks are. And my biggest loss would be at a cap and that's it. And then when you meet that cap, we stop if it continues to, to be a loss or whatever. And then really be careful on the type of people that you meet. Not to say like, oh, there's bad people out there, but where they would drive you to. The people who are of value or if they're toxic, be very careful as to where you spend your energy on, like who you spend your energy on. But mainly, you know, I started drinking a lot when I was 20. And that I think substance abuse is one thing that we don't really think much of. But as I'm getting older, it's like, it becomes you, right? And I don't think I was like, I had predisposed, you know, genetics and stuff that's very um, prone to addictions. But I think like, if I had told myself, you know, keep your eyes on the prize, be around people who are positive and like, could be a value to you and you guys can reciprocate off each other and bounce good ideas and good vibes off each other. Um, then I wouldn't get into that like rabbit hole of continuous drinking and then eventually being an alcoholic, um, a functioning one. And then eventually like hitting rock bottom with like nothing left. So yeah, I think it's, it all starts young. And, and it's crazy because 20 year olds nowadays, they think like that. Like they're very on point. A lot of them that I talk to, they're like, no, I have like these goals and like, this is what I'm doing. And, and it's funny because it goes back to who you surround yourself, right? Maybe those are the people that I surround myself with now. And that's what I'm hearing mostly as opposed to, you know, the alcoholics and the negatives, right? So it really depends on who you've like have around. That's kind of my long to the short of what I would tell 
I mean, short to the long, I don't even know anymore. <laughs> but what I would tell my 20 self, 28 year old self. It's good advice for you, for your young self. And it's, it's good advice for other, other young entrepreneurs as well. Um, okay, so now I have rapid fire questions. And this is just say what first comes to your mind and don't think too much about it. So if you weren't doing what you were, are doing right now for work, what would you be doing instead? I would be a psychiatrist. Like that was my ultimate goal. Yeah. And it sounds like you'd be very good at it, honestly. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, what book are you currently reading and what would you recommend for, to our audience? Um, currently, I am reading uh, Maria Forleo. So everything is figure outable, which I can relate to very, very much because of a being a first generation immigrant. Everything needed to be figured figured out. Um, so I definitely highly re- recommend that. Um, Donald Miller is someone that you should definitely YouTube on. Um, I think it's Donald Miller. Uh, it's called. Um, do you mind if I take a minute? No, I don't mind. And I'm writing it down. Did you say Donald Miller? Yeah, he is a genius in branding. And a lot of things are, it's very theoretic, right? But he does give out examples. Um, and then what I've been doing is exercising every day where I listen to nuggets of his book. And then I, I put through the tangible part. Like I give myself the example and I test it out, like word positioning, like messaging and brand marketing. Sorry, building a branding story by Donald Miller. Amazing book. I recommend that to everybody. Very like theory, but you can apply your own examples and you need to work on that. And the more you practice that, the better you get at it. People over profit is another good one. The luck factor gets a little bit weird, but for a new entrepreneur, I think it's a good read because you learn about chance opportunity. So when you're starting off, you, you kind of, you know, go back to, is this luck? Is it network? Like, oh, it's just luck, like beginner's luck or any, like something like that. But it really tells you like how you can prep yourself so that you can have that luck and you can take advantage of that chance opportunity that comes your way. That's a good read for new, like brand new spanking entrepreneur who's starting like tomorrow <laughs> after they read or like listen to our podcast. Right. So. Exactly. <laughs> like I'm changing my life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my, my answers are never quick. Cause I like go on and on and on. You have so many ideas and that's why. And I just want to be thorough. Like, it's all valuable. Everything that you say, it has so much value. So. Thank you. That's so sweet. <laughs> um, okay, next one. Next one. Are you a morning or a night person? I'm a morning person for the most part. If you had, <laughs> if you had one word to describe yourself, what would it be and why? It would be persistent because I don't give up. <laughs> um, I do give up to, at a certain point, but I always always, always figure out where the gap is or try to figure out and make that connection or that bridge to get there. And if I can't get there one way or another, then I go back to, is this really the end goal that I want to be at? But I don't give up if I have an end goal. I know this is supposed to be rapid fire, but I think that always happens with entrepreneurs, right? Like you try something, it doesn't work and you have to pivot or you have to fill that gap, right? What's keeping you up at night these days? Uh, these days, I think how I can manage the next four years, 
trying to build a more business oriented business. So eventually I want to evolve into more, um, yes, I will keep my like craft, my like the home decor side of things, but I also want to make it into more of a business experience, business consultation um, for entrepreneurs. Where that's at right now is kind of keeping me up because, you know, that's a completely different thing to tackle. And also coming from being an artist, you're not seen as an entrepreneur, you're seen as an artist. I would really have to articulate the expertise and provide resources to build that credibility. So that's kind of where what's keeping me up at night. What's your favorite place in the world? Peggy's Cove. When I visited there, I said to my husband, I'm like, I want to like retire and die here in the ocean. I was there last year. I just want my little hut. And like, I'm an introvert, right? But you know, you kind of build yourself to speak up and all that stuff. But I prefer to just sit at home and read a book or listen to my podcast and watch Netflix and watch the ocean like go in and out nonstop and that's it. (laughs) What are three non-negotiables that have to happen in your morning routine? Uh, Coffee. Uh, Non-negotiable is giving my daughter a big fat kiss if I can. If I'm too lazy and can't wake up, then <laughs> I guess we'll have to wait. Um, and non-negotiable is to think about my day. So although I do that the night before, where you know you set out, oh, okay, tomorrow this is what I do, um, you really have to set your intention and your tone for the day. Because a lot of times, people who suffer from depression or substance abuse, they wake up with zero hope. Negative thoughts right away. Negative thoughts right away. It's like, oh, like today's going to be a crap day. Like I already know it, but you don't. Like you just have to think like, okay, today this is what I need to do. My intention is to at least complete one out of the 10 tasks. And if I do, it's a win and everything else can wait. That's my priority. It's going to be great. And let's get it going. Yeah. And you lay in bed for another 15 minutes and you're like, all right, all right I got to get up. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the truth, right? So I want to be realistic as well. Um, those are like kind of my morning must do's where I really set my mindset to say it's going to be no matter what, it's going to be good. And no matter how bad, it's a learning. So I think that's a good way to set your intention and your goals for the day. What are some of the things that you do to disconnect? I um, listen to my audiobooks. So my Audible is my go-to app. It's like first and foremost. So um, whether I'm driving or just sitting at home, disconnecting actually is a, like driving is a big disconnect for me. Like I'm not like, whoa, just like driving, like whatever, radically. But it kind of sets myself aside from the real world, but I'm still in the real real world. You know what I mean? Because I'm driving mostly by myself. Um, but my audio audible um, app is my disconnect. And then literally sitting in a room by myself. Not anything. Yeah. With nothing. And just staring out the window. That's a disconnect. And like not nothing, no phone, no electronics. And I could be not thinking about anything. 
So I think that's a a part of mindfulness where you're just like, you could be completely blank, but it kind of gives your mind a chance to recover and like re-energize and like literally you see the battery packs going like, like increasing and you're like, all right, this is pointless. Let's get out of here and do (laughs) at a certain point. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to ask you one, one more question. And this is something we asked to all of our guests. There's a small tropical island in the middle of the ocean off the coast of Fiji, one phone booth and no internet. We drop you off there with no technology. And at any time you can use the phone booth on the island to call the boat to come pick you up. How long would you last before you make that phone call? And what would you do until then? That literally gave me goosebumps as you're reading it because I'm like envisioning it. And I'm like, oh, paradise. (laughs) I just, yeah, I just got back from Cuba. So I'm like, oh, can I go back, please? Yeah. In my mind, I would probably last quite a long time because I would spend all my time figuring out what I can do before I make that phone call. And then probably like within the hour to be like the real, the realistic side of me is like, okay, within the hour, I'm like, let's call someone and figure out what we're going to do. So one hour. Yeah. One hour. (laughs) You check it out. You see like, do you have any coconuts or bananas? Yeah, I'm like, like literally, this is my action. I would be there, look around, be like, okay, I'm good to survive. I have connection, depend, like if something was to happen, and like kind of really look at my surrounding. And then I actually, I would probably make the phone call and be like, dude, when will you be here? And (laughs) this is how much resources I have. I'm quick. If it can be three hours, I'll figure it out. No worries. If it's a day, like I'll still figure it out. But like, I need a time frame. I think that's probably what my reaction would be like. So I lied about the first part. I probably can't last. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> yeah. I would like to make that call. I would probably do it right away to like scope out my surrounding and like what I'm given. But then after that, if you leave me there for like two or three days, I'll be like, cool. Like this is, this is not so bad. Awesome. Hey, Carmen. Well, do you have anything before we leave? Do you have anything that we haven't covered that you wanted to tell our our listeners? Not really. I think we covered most of it, like the important nuggets and, you know, some of the recommendations and just suggestions and comments that I have that are important to me to share um, for you guys. But I do want to touch on one like quick motivational point is that no matter how much, how fearful you think it is, it really probably, you know, it's fearful at the time, but if you have this like pressing idea and this vision to do something and start a business, it may not have to be like a small business, but at least it's something that you're starting. Like, even if it's just creating an account for your business on Instagram to say like, that's my business account. Um, Anything that's small for you to reach your goal, I would, you know, really highly recommend you to take that first step it is the hardest step. The first step is the hardest step, but your next steps can't happen until that very first step. I just want to let the viewer know like, after you see this and, you know, think about it, definitely start and kickstart whatever you're doing. Um, whether it is to change your life or change the life of one person, you're not here to change the world. That's always what I say. Um, but if you can benefit one person or yourself, and one person at a time, like, 
I would really highly recommend that you start like tomorrow with whatever it is. I love it. Carmen, you've given so many like useful tips and advice and feedback throughout the whole thing. So thank you so much for coming on as a guest and we will talk soon. Yes. So, oh yes. One more, one more thing. Where can our viewers find you online? Viewers can find me online on um, different YouTube channels. Uh, They can contact me through email, which is on my Instagram page. They can contact me through Instagram to see some of the things that I've been doing, um, some of the creative experiences that they want to, you know, join. Um, My online shop is going to relaunch. I've been saying that forever, but it just haven't been like perfect for me to relaunch to represent my brand. So it's carlypaintings.com. Right now, it'll route you to my Instagram, which there you can contact me and you'll be able to order things. And then aside from that, you know, I'm just an email away. So if there's anything that you guys want to chat about, um, about business or art, I am here for you um, to the best of my ability. So Leslie, I really, really appreciate you having me. It's such an honor to, you know, be in a podcast, podcast, sorry, a podcast (laughs) with like all these amazing entrepreneurs that and successful entrepreneurs that you've already interviewed. So it's definitely an honor for, you know, a business that starts from scratch, from a hobby to like where it is right now and continues to grow. We're so thankful to hear your journey. So thank you, Carmen. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Canada's podcast. Like, comment, and subscribe to all our channels to get the latest podcasts from entrepreneurs across Canada.